Our next retreat is finally here. It's called Adventures in Energetics, and it's happening November 8th to the 14th, 2024 in Boquete, Panama. This seven-day, six-night retreat in the beautiful cloud forest of Panama is going to be a unique experience. This program is a not-for-beginners retreat. And what I mean by that is you will actually have to fill out an application before you will be accepted to be able to register for the program because we are going to be doing more advanced level energetics and I need to make sure that everybody who comes is actually ready for the work. We will be doing a Kundalini awakening. We will be doing group visioning process called a spiritual canoe. We will be doing daily presence practices and working on expanding our energy. We will be doing daily rituals. This process will be related to specifically the people who are there because in addition to filling out the questionnaire about what your experience is, you're also gonna ask for what it is that you'd like to learn. So part of the curriculum for this is set and part of it will be designed around the desires of the participants. I only have 20 beds available for this retreat, so it will fill up quickly. So this is the time to register. Do not wait. To find out more, go to kellysparta.com forward slash retreat. I look forward to seeing you there. Another blood red sunset and yet another moon face and still another hundred miles to my next resting place. Driving down the road, eyes on the horizon, within my car I'm all Feeling good and feeling strong Knowing that this path I'm on brings me to myself I'm driving Hey now all, I'm Joey C. Welcome back to another episode of Spirit Sherpa. This is the show that helps and encourages you on your journey to unlock your magic mojo. With me as always is the spirit doctor, Kelly Sparta. Hey Kelly. Hey Joey. How's it going? It's going great. I'm very excited. You, oh. <laughs> you always give it away. I do. I'm so, so why are you excited, Kelly? Tell me. I would say the title of the show probably gave it away. Yeah, too, probably but, did. It probably did. Yeah. But Colm's back. <laughs> Colm, welcome back. Hi, Joey. Hi, Kelly. How are you both? Am I, am I, is it okay for me to say happy 2021? It's not, it's not too late. <laughs> I don't yeah, think it's great. too late. No, not oh, at all. Right. Yes. Happy, totally okay. Yeah. Happy 2021. 20, Death to 2020. No, sorry. <laughs> okay, no, getting no, a little aggressive, Kelly. Getting <laughs> a little aggressive. I just saw a meme on Facebook. We're, obviously, we're recording this before the end of the year, but I saw a meme on Facebook just a few minutes ago that said, I'm going to stay up until midnight on New Year's Eve. I want to watch 2020 die. <laughs> I was just like, that's awesome. <laughs> Nothing like getting out a little bit of the angst on the moment. Yeah. <laughs> a little violent. Gotta love it. <laughs> Joey's like, ah. Joey's like, I'm really glad you're in Virginia. <laughs> Whoever it was wouldn't be the last, and well, won't be the first and certainly won't be the last to think about the, the, the changeover from one year to the next, of course, goes way, way back. I mean, it's almost primal. It's prehistory when uh, during the winter solstice, you know, it's, you know, it's the end of the, the, 
of one year, the death of the sun, because it's the lowest in the sky and it's reborn into the new year and so on and so forth. So so I think we can allow ourselves to think about death and rebirth. Yeah, technically it means it's already dead because we're after the solstice now. Exactly. (laughs) We're in it. (laughs) New, new, yay! So yeah. So, but we're going to talk about how you deal with your New Year's resolutions, yeah. rather how you don't. I would, well, I do. I do deal with New Year, but I just, and I do have a New Year's resolution and I don't want to steal my own punchline. So I'm just <laughs> going to say, I don't do New Year's resolutions and I haven't done it for 20 odd years. So I'm quite happy to tell you the story of where this all began, if you're interested. Absolutely. That's why we had you on the show, right? (laughs) So uh, those of you who are old enough, (laughs) who were born (laughs) before uh, the new millennium, so let's go back to December the 31st in 1999. Um, Those of you who've listened to me before or read my book know that I used to live on Sydney Harbour, lucky me, in Australia, and that night we had a ringside seat on the waterfront, together with about one and a half million other people crammed around the harbour's edge. Now, those of you who've been to Sydney know what a beautiful place it is. Those of you who haven't can imagine it. It's a, it's the middle of the summer, remember, because it's in the southern hemisphere. So we were all there in our T-shirts and shorts, picnics on the grass, on the edge of the harbour, waiting for the biggest, most almighty blast of fireworks that the world has ever seen, certainly um, in living memory. It went on for 25 minutes. The whole harbour, and it's a huge harbour, was lit up. So were most of the buildings. It's amazing that Sydney didn't catch fire, quite frankly. In fact, this year, they are having, I think it's just a laser show. I don't know whether they even had any. I'm just thinking whether they even had any fires because of the danger for uh, bushfires. It's just got so bad there. But anyway, let's in 20 years ago, in the beginning of the new millennium, it was fine and everything so went off. Things were. A huge bang. And at the end, there was like so much gunpowder smoke. Eventually, the smoke sort of drifted away and then a bl- emblazoned right across Sydney Harbour Bridge was this inspiring message which said simply, eternity. Now, it didn't say Happy New Year or Happy New Millennium, though it said eternity. Now, in some ways, you know, at the time I thought this is probably a bit of a strange message to send to one and a, one and a half million slightly tipsy revelers <laughs> <laughs> across Sydney Harbour. Um, and yet I sat with that message for the next few days and I then decided that it was probably just meant for me. I was going to say, I bet if you went back and looked in the history books, it might not have said that. (laughs) (laughs) No, it did. Let's stick to the facts. Let's not affect. It definitely said it. And it sat with me for a few days. And and then it dawned on me why it it was sitting with me. Why why was it? It was as if the light of of the sign had emblazoned on my unconscious. And this is what I think in the end I decided to mention. And that is that we're all, and myself at the time thinking about it, that we're all part of the timelessness of eternity. But that point in time is here now, right now. 
So, Kelly, just as you and I are speaking today, eternity is present here with us. Now, yes. everybody says, oh, we know that. <laughs> come on, you know, come on, we thought we were going to say something really amazing. But do you know what? I didn't know it. 20 years ago, that was not something that had registered in my psyche in a meaningful way. I was still thinking, and you know, tell me, Kelly, if you thought like this, please, that eternity is something that started a long time ago and is going to happen in the future. Right. Isn't that how most of us, or was I the only one? Here? Back in the day, yeah. That's, that's how day. I looked at okay. it. Yeah. Whew. Okay, all right. <laughs> it wasn't just me. So... Yeah, I used to think eternity was what had happened, you know, in the beginning, in the past, and it, and it goes on into the future, and it's some kind of circular thing. But it was the now bit. Um, so I sort of paused, put my life on pause for a few days, decided not to make any New Year's resolutions, and just think about what that meant. Because if it's true, um, if it's true that time never stands still, and yet the only time that we're ever connected to eternity is now. In other words, right now we're in eternity. But then what it does mean is that all the power of eternity to live a meaningful life is actually at our disposal now. So that was a big wake-up call for me. And I thought, so is that what people mean when they're talking about the power of now? I don't know. Uh, I'd better go and read some more about this. So I did went and did some reading. The first person, of course, knowing Colm Holland, as you do, uh, one of the people he's going to go and look up is a guy called Joseph Campbell. And so I went straight away to Joseph Campbell, the professor of mythology who knows everything that's ever been said, really, um, in the world of mythology. And he said this, and he drew this from ancient myths from multiple cultures and he said if you sum it all up when they talk about eternity they say this that eternity has nothing to do with time eternity is that dimension of here and now which our thinking and which time cuts out this is it he said and the experience of eternity right now and here is the function of life Right now, it is the function of life. So I don't know what you make of that quote at all, Kelly, but tell me, in your experience, am I on track? Oh, absolutely. I talk about the eternal power of now all the time. What do you, what do you say about it? Well, so, you know, time's an illusion to begin with, as is space, Right, we are in an illusion. We're basically in a VR game right now, on on physical reality. And so, uh, when you tap into the akashic records or the zero point field or whatever you want to call it, uh, you are tapping into the eternal moment of now, where everything that ever has, ever will, ever could happen is happening all at once, and that ability to tap in and reach in and grab. The information that you need is simply a matter of calibrating your intentions and your focus to get the pieces that you want because it's all there for the taking because it's all happening right now. And okay. it's just a matter of data sorting, right? Okay. I, I couldn't agree more, but I've, I've got an issue. Can okay. I express my issue? Yes, please. 
because I think I'm, a lot of people are going to resonate with this this issue that I'm dealing with, and that is the issue of time itself. Mm-hmm. I have a confession to make. I am very much, well, not as bad as I used to be, but I am a very much a slave of time. I am extremely punctual. I run my entire day with my calendar. I even set alerts on my iPhone. They ping me whenever I need to do something important. And I stop everything that I'm doing, which may even be a very, very powerful now kind of thought or process going on. And I jump too. And I make sure I do what it is I'm supposed to do. I even wake myself up without an alarm clock thinking I've got some writing to do this morning. And if I don't wait by seven o'clock, I'm not going to get the writing done by 10 o'clock that I want to get done. Is this okay? Am I, are we resonating here? Am I the, again, am I the only one nope. here? Nope. I do the same. My calendar is my life. That's it. Yep. Okay. So. I don't want to dismiss time, and I love what we've already said about the power of now and how it connects us to eternity. But I want I want to dig a bit deeper, if I may, into the whole concept of time. And because I'm Colin Holland, then the next person who I'm going to quote is Professor Carl Jung. And what he said is this, that when you succeed in awaking the Kundalini, and most of your listeners will know what that is, so that it starts to move out of its mere potentiality, you necessarily start a world which is totally different from our world. It is the world of eternity. You necessarily start a world which is totally different from our world. You start a world of eternity. But it starts with the discovery, and of course, in Carl Jung's thinking, it starts with the discovery and the unconscious of the true self. And that's what he meant by the Kundalini moment. So by revealing to your conscious self the unconscious life that your true self lives in, you are actually starting a world of eternity of your own. Now, I don't want to get off on multi-dimensional experiences. Well, I was just going to say, if we're quoting, let's talk about Let's put the break on Kelly. I knew Kelly. <laughs> well, I'll just go and make a cup of tea while Kelly talks about multi-dimensional experiences because talk about red rag to a ball, she'll, she'll be off. I, I just... <laughs> Well, but Richard Bach has in, in, in Illusions, which is my favorite book of all time, is, uh, you know, one of the things he talks about is that we, none of us live in the same reality, that we all have our own reality in which we operate, and that it is in the places where our over, where our realities overlap that we have relationship, right? And, you know, to, to really fully understand that is to, to get that, you know, no two people have the same experience, right? And, you know, it's a very basic sort of concept, but it's a very profound sort of concept. It's, um, all, all profound things are, are basic in their statement, but complex in their understanding, right? And so, yes, there is the beginning of a new world when you awaken the Kundalini, which I, I, some of our listeners may not know what that is. So the okay, Kundalini it, is a snake that sits at the base of the spine. And when you awaken it, it actually 
uh, weaves its way up through the chakras up to the crown and brings its energy along with it. Just to be clear, it's not a real snake that's living in your spine, folks. It's it's an energetic. And you can't kill it. No, 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 you cannot. Please don't. Please don't. That would be bad. But as you awaken the Kundalini, you increase your energy. You increase your ability to access the spiritual realm. You increase your awareness of the energetics around you, things like that. And we can talk more about the Kundalini later because there are some really interesting things there. Yes. So, but anyway, Colm, you were telling a story. <laughs> Not really. Well, I was. No, it's true. I was. So let's get back to the story. I don't want to kill time. I don't want to discredit time. I don't want to. We because we uh, from a temporal point of view, we live in a time dimension, and it's not going away any time soon. Sorry, I couldn't resist that one. (laughs) Um, It was right. That was terrible, wasn't it? It was Um, there. Yeah, you know. So let's let me go back to my. Dear friend Carl Jung, who set us up with the, with the Kundalini and the understanding that we create our own eternity and so on. So the other thing that I realized about Carl Jung is that in the world of his understanding of, of archetypes, and I'm quite happy to explain what an archetype is, an archetype is in, in the Jungian understanding is, is a power, it's like a primal power that lives within one's unconscious mind to the degree that it's almost invisible, it's like an invisible strength that has influence over our daily existence, to put it as simply as I possibly can. And they are multiple and they are infinite uh, archetypes that do this for different ones of us in different ways. But certainly time if you like old father time, if you if you want to personalize it, um, is an archetype in in Jungian understanding. So with the with the archetype of time, we are individually and collectively um, under an unconscious power of time over our lives. It's one of the oldest concepts in human mythology, and even the ancient Persians, for example, decided that time was a, was a god. In fact, time was so powerful that he was the god of gods um, because he had the ultimate power, of course, which is death. The end of time in a temporal sense for us as individuals. So pretty powerful mythological entity, this this death guy. And so when we come to the new year, which I alluded to earlier, we, you know, we are... We are looking at the death of the old year. We're looking at the birth of the new. In ancient mythological tradition, this is one of the uh, roles of time. Um, it even has power over the sun, who is sort of number two most most powerful mythological entity. Uh, so, so it's there, and so we can't ignore it. What are we going to do? What am I going to do with this archetype? Um, so this is for the conclusion I came up with. And what I decided was that the one thing I can't allow time to do, it's not going to go away. It's an archetype that's going to stay with me for as long as I'm alive. It's just that I don't need to let it dictate or control my happiness or fulfillment. Does that make sense? Yes. Karen? Yeah, it's, it's a not waiting for I'll be happy when, but yeah. instead being choosing happiness in the moment that you're in. Right. So yes. I'm not locked into the effects of the events of my past. 
to define who I am, and I'm not consumed with my anxiety about the future to define who I am. In other words, can I really be content with the now and not be defined by my past or my hopes for the future? And that, Kelly, I have to tell you, has been one of the biggest challenges of the last 20 years. (laughs) Yes. So hands up everybody at home who doesn't let the events of their past all their hopes of the future. I'm going to win the lottery. No, yes, of course I'm not. What? No. Did I win the lottery now? No. But I'm hoping I will. Yes. Is that becoming victim to the effects of time, the archetype of time? What do you reckon? Uh, well, the the winning the lottery one is a great one for my people because I talk about this fantasy thinking, right? It's the it's the ultimate. I'm waiting for my knight in shining armor to come and save me. In which case, this is the the lottery being the knight in shining armor, right? If I win the lottery, I will I will be saved. Except that you know the average lottery winner is broke again within five years. And that's because that's where their mindset is, right? It's yeah, like, but boy, that Aston Martin must have been fun. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, it's it's it, it's very much about handing over your power, and, and yes. that's sort of the angle that I look at it from: is handing over your power to to something else, handing over your power to the future, or to the lottery, or to you know whatever. Or handing over your power to the archetype of the victim, too, of course. That, too. Yeah. Um, which you and I work with people a lot on on that topic. It is yes. it is a, a very, very powerful archetype, which we all succumb to at some point because we've all been wounded. Yeah. It's impossible to be human and not be wounded. Um, and most of those wounds, most of them live in the past and they're painful and they um, are reminders of when we weren't loved in way, shape, or form. And one of the things that I love about the power of now and the connection with eternity is that in the moment now, and this is what I've learned slowly over the last 20 years since the new millennium, is that unconditional love lives in the now. Yes. Now I am loved. Now I am loved just for who I am right now. It's not like I've got to wait to be loved. Or do because, something to be worthy yeah, of it. Because I'm going to be different. I'm going to behave differently or I'm going to stop doing this or I'm going to lose the weight or I'm going to run the two miles every day. I'm going to make sure that I you know, empty my inbox on a regular basis, all those you know, so-called New Year's resolutions. I'm going to you know, give more money to the poor. And if I do all of those things, of course, I will be loved more. By whom? <laughs> Who's going to love you more? You know, that, that was the big question. So it's all about unconditional love is the essence of the power of eternity, and it lives in the now. And who needs to do the loving? Well, in, in my opinion... And Kelly, we've talked about this on on a podcast before. It's when we unconditionally love ourselves that all the power of the universe is released. Yes. The power of eternity becomes a reality, not just a bit of mind candy that we could spend the rest of this podcast pontificating on. This is real stuff. Do I love myself? Do I accept myself? Do I... 
withdraw all the judgment that I place regularly on myself? Am I prepared, excuse me, to do that now? Because if I am, then all the power of unconditional love is at our disposal in in the now. So can I just dwell on time a bit more? Because somebody said to me, I did talk to somebody about this and said, what do you think of this, Um, these thoughts? And they said, well, does that mean then that you don't celebrate your birthday or that you're not going to wait up till midnight on New Year's Eve and wait for the New Year to come in? Or do you... You know, is it a convenient excuse to not give your wife a bunch of flowers on your wedding anniversary? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't believe in time. <laughs> oh, you forgot again. No, I've never forgotten. I hasten to it. I've, I've, I've always remembered. Um, <clears throat> so I wrote something. Excuse me. <clears throat> so I wrote something. And I just want to read you this because I want to come to the Times defence a bit here so that we don't get completely misunderstood. And so I I wrote this. I said, yesterday, today, tomorrow, last year, this year, next year, birthdays, anniversaries, even our birth and our death are just a few of the myriad of time marks that we use to add milestones to our life's journey. In other words, they help create an order out of the seeming chaos of life and death. But when we let time dictate how we measure the progress of our inner journey of transformation, then I believe we're in peril of missing the answer to true happiness and empowerment. Absolutely. What do you reckon? Okay. So if I'm using the new year, and so here I am into the new year, I made some resolutions. I'm already slipping on a few, possibly, who knows, if I've made some. And I'm reviewing and planning using time and using the new year to trans- to, to plan and measure my inner transformational progress. Then, in my opinion, that's an indicator that I'm actually still in time's grip and I'm using a temporal tool to do an eternal work. Yes. I- a mistake. Yes. I will, I will say that I have always been resistant to doing goal setting because the way that it's generally taught is very much a slave to time and space. Yes. And I don't do goal setting. I do intention setting. And you know what else exists in that eternal moment of now, aside from unconditional love, is the chaos of the unformed moment. Yes. And you can reach into the chaos of the unformed moment and form an intent from it and create it into being and set it in motion in the world. And that is how I do my goal setting instead of traditional goal setting. I do I do creation intention setting to create my new reality. And it is, it is in existence from the moment I call it into form, it, it exists. And then it's just a matter of waiting for it to lay itself on the matrix and, and integrate into the matrix to, to come into the way it will form as it comes into relationship with the matrix. Can you give us an example? I, mean, I, I understand, but are you able to attach an example to that? 
Yeah. So um, I'm working with my business coach right now and she's, she's saying, uh, I want you to set a goal for next year and, you know, set a dollar amount for it. And I was like, mm, I'm not really excited about a dollar amount goal. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, what I want to do is have this, these things happen within my business. And when these things happen, they'll create a dollar amount. And, and I'm like, okay, well, okay. So if I do these things, then here's the dollar amount that you want. Right. But I'm not focused on the dollar amount. I'm focused on the, the individual things that I want because those are the, those are the building blocks of a healthy business, right. not of a dollar amount, if that makes sense. No, that's a good example. So to give it another perspective, to look at it from another angle, what we're describing is, in fact, if you go back to our alchemy and the alchemy process, it's an essential part of what the alchemists used to call the great work. Yes. So the great work of the alchemists was all about setting intent and then committing. So actually, in a way, you're doing something much more powerful than setting a dollar goal. You're setting an intent and then committing your own self to manifesting that. And the moment you do that, as you described, you're calling in all of the all of the power of the universe to, to join in. And as uh, it says in The Alchemist by Paolo Cato, to conspire with you and to make that happen yeah so it's what about sorry go ahead yeah yeah, what about visualization is my only because a lot of listeners i know are probably talk you know thinking about the secret and the power of attraction and visualization Mm -hmm. but yeah the so we've we've had some conversations about the the law of attraction and how things go wrong with that but um i i want to the way in which this is done is very different because it it's a powerful intention but a very light holding of it when you do goal setting traditionally you you like set a goal down and then you say okay these are the steps it's going to take to get to that goal and then you break them down by the week and these you know i'm going to do these steps every week in order to get to that goal i don't do that i set the intention so one of the intentions is for me to hire four more coaches this year and so i set the intention i want to bring four coaches on board which means that i have to have enough business to fill four coaches worth of business right and so that's in inherent within that because i wouldn't bring people on unless i had the business for them and so but to say where I'm going to get those coaches from. I'm like, well, I have my finger out in like four different directions right now. And they may come from one of those four directions or more than one of those directions, or they may be someplace completely different. And I'm not going to be actively reaching out every three seconds to try and figure out where I'm going to get them from and whatever. I'm just going to be like, I'm holding the intention and I'm resonating with this energy saying, this is what's going to be the case. And I am standing in the expectation that it'll show up and I'm ready to receive it, right? And yeah. all of those pieces are super important. And and I have, you know, the, the intention to put my husband in a position where he could quit his job if he wanted to. Cool. And where, you know, we're ready to move to the next house. And, you know, all of these pieces and parts. And, and I'm like, okay, so... 
And everything I do every day is in service to that. So as we're working on the yard and dealing with the trees that have come down, I'm thinking about resale on the house and how do we do that? And everything is, it's all built into my beingness on a daily basis without being built into a structured I'm very good at structure. Don't get me wrong. I am an engineer brain. I am very good at structure, but I don't do my magic that way. <laughs> and that's, you can't do magic. Well, I mean, you can, but it's it's so restrictive. Let's talk about magic then for a moment. Yes. So in the process of setting intent and committing to it, and then aligning the rest of your thought life and, and patterns of behavior around that and and believing and knowing that the universe is working together now it knows what you want it it gives it a mission to go on what sort of ritual do you attach to that act of of making that intention i mean i've got my i've got my thing which i can tell you about but what's what's your what does yours look like you're presuming i do a ritual <laughs> For me, literally, I mean, um, I am literally just, it, it, it's just simply reaching in and saying, this is what I choose, bang, and I just do it, you know? Um, I've, since I was a small child, I've always believed that I live a charmed life. And that belief in living a charmed life, having a very strong belief in living a charmed life, is is its own ritual because it is a, a it is a ritual that's happening at the level of assumption in your whole existence. I just assume it's going to work and it does. It it does and if it doesn't work for some reason I assume that it wasn't meant to work and that something better is coming instead <laughs> and it does, right? And you know, do I have moments where I run into a wall with it? Yeah. Yeah, every now and again I do. Um, every couple of years or so, I go, ah, <laughs> but then I do the next level of my own work. Okay, I'm going to draw, I'm gonna draw a, a, a white chalk circle on the floor. I'm going to put you in it right now. <laughs> Billy. Yes. Of course. Okay. One of the reasons that you and I connected and we stay so permanently connected is because we both have this, I don't, want to, I don't know what to call it. Is it a gift? This belief that we, we live a charmed life? that we just are able to know that things are going to be fine and that what we want, because it's for the greater good, is going to work itself out. Um, <clears throat> so I'm keeping you in the in the chalk circle just for a minute, all right? You're not allowed to step outside it. It's so, so hard. Okay. <laughs> now, I intuited that myself when I decided to commit to personal transformation, I actually discovered that I already had the gift. Now, I believe, do you agree that everybody can actually find that gift within themselves? Yes. Okay. But getting to that gift sometimes ain't that easy. You sometimes you have to do, all right. So for the benefit of people who struggle with even the, inkling in their mind that possibly the universe wants even the best for them and that all the power of love wants the best outcome in their life because quite frankly everything that's ever happened up till now has been pretty awful let me just make one suggestion that i have used successfully which it seems to work for me 
So when I feel that something is possibly right, and it and it is something that should be manifested, and I really want it to be manifest, but there's still that little bit of doubt that I need to bring the rest of my psyche along with with where I'm at. Is I I do what Carl Jung calls you know imaginative work. So whether this is visualization, I think I'm going beyond visualization. You tell me after I've told you whether this is visualization or whether I'm taking it a step further or whether this is, you know, the power of intent. I don't know. Um, I imagine a gold circle in my sleeping moments and in my waking moments. So uh, there's names for all of this stuff. I'm not going to bore you with it now, but um, psychologically, scientists have been able to measure this phenomenon by putting anodes on people's heads. So there is this twilight zone as we drift into sleep and as we drift back out of sleep where you can actually train yourself to be conscious of that moment and you can actually engage your imagination. It does require quite a bit of work, I hasten to add, and it has taken me many years to perfect it to to a point that I can just turn it on and turn it off. But in the early days, it, it helped me do what you and I now know we can do intuitively, and that is that into the gold circle, I will put the outcome imaginatively that, that I want to manifest. So let's take your example, for example, uh, in this following year, you're going to make X amount of money. Well, one of the things that, that I guess people could do is that you could imagine that money or the the feeling of having that money is actually more important and put that in the gold circle and then what I do is I go to as I go to sleep, I encircle that in love, and as I drift off, I often it becomes a dream, even or I, you know it becomes the seeds of a dream, and then I've almost forgotten I did the work. And then when I wake, I force myself to remember that that was what I was doing when I went to sleep, and I do exactly the same thing again. And what I usually find doing that over two or three nights is that I reach the place that you reach automatically is that somewhere I've enabled those parts of my unconscious that are a bit tardy and a bit doubtful and don't always do as they're told (laughs) to catch up yeah, and to be told in a way that it's okay for them not to feel positive. It's okay for me to doubt. It's okay for me to uh, have, have reservations and to embrace those as part of the process in a way is like embracing them and, and taking their power away. They're not, I'm not trying to banish them. I'm just trying to remove their reticence yeah. to enable me to move forward. Does, does all that make sense? It does. Um, I, I do a variation on that, uh, which is that as I am creating the intention if it is stretching me, which all good intentions should, um, if it's stretching me, then I notice the places in myself that feel resistant to it or stuck or not really on board. And I go, I I use a self-inquiry process that is uh, about 
like looking inside and saying, okay, why does this feel scary? Or why does this feel overwhelming? Or why am I having resistance to this? Because I, I feel it fully formed and then I feel into how I feel about it, right? And so uh, then I start having conversations with parts of myself about, you know, what's going on and maybe I can re-enroll them in a different role. Rather, if they're trying to keep me safe, maybe I can get them to to make sure that, that nothing gets in the way. I can re-enroll them in, in the role of making sure the vision stays safe instead of me because I'm going to be okay, right? Or, you know, whatever, right? Um and so I, I, I do that piece. And I also, I use my cognitive dissonance to fuel it. And so uh, cognitive dissonance is when something isn't the way you expect it to be. There's, there's a where thing where, where it's just not right. So like if I'm trying to grow my income, since we're talking about money, uh, if I'm going to try and grow my income, when I go to do my books, if there isn't a plethora of money left over, that creates cognitive dissonance for me because Mm -hmm. I expect it to be there because I set the intention for it, right? And so I'll use that cognitive dissonance to go, no, wait, there should be more there. Why isn't there more there? Let me go see where that money went and where that came from and what went out. And there should be more here, you know, and, and it's the expectation that there should be not panic, not panic that there's not more there, but the expectation and going, well, that isn't right. Okay. Well, okay. Let me, let me go put a post on Facebook or let me go, you know, call somebody up who said they were interested and talk to them and whatever, because that I use that energy to fuel my actions and I use the energy to fuel the expectation that so it's going to work. Yes. Yeah, so you're bringing, so in, in alchemy terms and, and sort of Jungian terms, you're bringing about a unity with, within your own psyche. Yes. Um, so rather than rejecting the, the negativity, you're embracing the negativity and repurposing its power to propel you forward to achieve the thing that you want to achieve. And I think this is really critical. Absolutely, because not only does it apply to setting intentions, it actually is the secret of happiness, if there is such a thing as happiness, which I actually genuinely believe there is. Um, it just needs defining a bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, you, know, the Buddha, you know, the Buddha said that life is, is all is sorrow, but um, coming to terms with the sorrow is where the happiness you know, takes place. So if we've got parts of ourselves that are really sad or have been abused or uh, are really hurting from you know, repetitive in- events that, that just make us feel really bad about ourselves, then uh, not, not only should we not set, try and push them down and send them away, we should embrace them and bring them into the fold of our consciousness and do what exactly you just described, and that is to say, let's have a conversation with that part of ourself and let's bring it into a positive energy by embracing it and saying it's okay to be that way. It's okay to feel like that and actually turn them into some of our most powerful motive motivations for moving forward. Yeah, uh, and, so, and you know, sometimes you negotiate with them. You know? Yeah. One of, you know, one of my biggest values is freedom, 
And so when I started thinking about growing my business, doing more sessions and things like that, and I was just like, there was part of me that was like, "Uh -uh. (laughs) uh-uh, I want my free time. Ah." And, And I had to negotiate with it and say, okay, no more than this many calls a day and no more than, and it's going to keep me in balance, right? It's, it's actually serving me to do good self-care by making sure that I leave myself space for, for flexibility because that's how I operate best. I need to ask a question because we've talked about a lot of stuff here. We've gone quite all over the place. Column, how does this tie to you no longer making resolutions? How do we bring it back? All right. We can't get much further on this topic of time and now and New Year's resolutions without quoting Urquhart Tolley. So I'm gonna I'm gonna quote Urquhart Tolley because you know he he owns a book called The Power of Now and it's a it's a global bestseller. So let me just so tell you what he says. And that's a great question. Thank you, by the way, for bringing us back on topic. Tolley says this: Time isn't precious at all. Because it is an illusion, as Kelly said earlier. What you perceive as precious is not time, but the one point that is out of time, the now. That is precious indeed. And the more you are focused on time, that is the past and the future, the more you actually miss the now, which is the most precious thing there is. So that's a that's a straight quote from, from his book, The Power of Now. So let me let me just unwrap that a bit so how i read that is this and this is why i don't make new year's resolutions that to make any progress in the personal journey of transformation we should not only celebrate earthly time and milestones but we should also take care to see that they're not the only measure of our earthly existence so if i make a new year's resolution i'm going to eat less i'm going to Keep, you know, get fitter, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do the other. That's fine. But as long as you realize that this, that whether you succeed or whether you fail in that, it actually is not really what is the true measure of life. The true measure of our worth and our, and our progress is actually to reach within, discover what we've been saying, which is the eternity of our own souls, because it is there that the growth and fulfillment that we seek will be found. And then magic will be manifested in our daily lives, but not just at the beginning of the new year, but every day. Every day we will be able to pronounce an intention or, okay, if you're going to nail me down, Joey, I'll I'll, I'll admit to this, I, I, I make... Right now, I'll make one resolution. I'm going to make the same resolution every day. And, okay, my resolution every day is that now I will commit to discovering my true self. Now I will continue my journey toward true empowerment, which is what Kelly's been talking about. And now I will allow unconditional love that is present here and now to be my true place my true eternal existence. There we go. I think that puts a period in it. So the resolution I'm going to make this new year is now. Eternity. All right. Kelly, anything you want to say? 
No, I think I think Colm just said it all. <laughs> it was a perfect sum up. Thank you very much, Colm. And thank you for joining us again. It's been it's been great to talk to you. The pleasure is always mine. Thank you both very much. And just a reminder, Colm's actually in the Spirit Sherpa by Kelly Sparta Facebook group. So if you wanted to talk to him directly, you can reach him there. And on his website at? ColumnHolland.com. C-O-L-M. Holland.com. There you go. And he has a fantastic book out. The Secret of the Alchemist. Yes. In Audible, Kindle, and paperback. And we have a fantastic episode on all about that book. If you want to go back and listen to that episode of Spirit Sherpa, we'll throw that episode link in the notes if you want to check it out there. There you go. All right. That is all that we have for this week. But be sure to join us next time as Kelly adds another chapter into your guide to energy, magic, and the spirit world. I'm Joey C. here with Kelly Sparta and Colm Holland. And you have been listening to Spirit Trippa. So long, everyone. Bye. Spirit Trippa is the sole property of Kelly Sparta Enterprises and is distributed under a Creative Commons BY-NC-ND 4.0 license. For more information about this licensing, please go to www.creativecommons.org. Any requests for deviations to this licensing should be sent to kelly at kellysparta.com. To sign up for or get more information on the programs, offerings, and services referenced in this episode, please go to www.kellysparta.com. This episode of Spirit Sherpa has been produced by Honey Voice Productions, with post-production by Christopher Wright. Into my home and my love and my life and me. Are you waking up to the spiritual world and realizing that you have no idea what you're doing? But you feel like you kind of probably should, especially since you seem to be seeing things and feeling things and having things see you that maybe aren't so great and that you might want to actually control your experience of that. Well, I have great news for you because our Welcome to the Woo program does just that for you. It teaches you how to hold your energy field, manage your energy field, clear your energy field, protect your energy field, and learn how to protect your space And you learn how to do basic divination and talk to your guides so that you feel like you actually have a clue and have a way to talk to the guides that will help you to figure everything else out. And it teaches you how to make sure that you feel mentally, emotionally, and energetically safe. That means that we also deal with things like fear and anxiety and worry and dread and self-doubt and inner and outer judgments. And we help you build a foundation of self-support and courage. All of these things together create a solid sense of safety in your own life. They will reduce your stress levels in half guaranteed. So visit the website at kellysparta.com and find out more about the Welcome to the Woo program. Your future awaits.